Like many of you, I'm curious about several topics, and what better way to learn than to speak directly with the people who have the answers that you're looking for? My name is Costa. Welcome to Founder Views. That's what this channel is all about. You're going to hear me pick the brains of thought leaders, CEOs, politicians, and business experts about subjects that I'm thinking about or working on at any given time. From economics, business, real estate investing, Bitcoin, lifestyle, politics, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. A few years back, I decided to start documenting my SaaS business journey. I typed out my thoughts and experiences and stages based on where my company was at in terms of revenue. So zero to 25K in MRR, 25 to 75K in MRR, 100K plus in MRR, and the exit. As the company was going through each stage, I was recording in real time the most important lessons and strategies that were critical for helping us achieve each revenue target and grow into the next revenue stage. The very last thing I wrote in this 60-page document full of notes and strategies years ago was a heading titled The Exit. Up until recently, the content under that heading was left blank. Looking back, I guess I always knew there would be an exit at some point, and that hunch actually turned to reality. We got our exit in a life-changing seven-figure acquisition, and so I was finally able to complete the last and final chapter of this particular SaaS journey, which was in fact the exit. As someone with a genuine passion in sharing my insights and experiences with other entrepreneurs, I couldn't be more excited to package this material and finally put it out in the world and help as many entrepreneurs as possible. If you're a SaaS founder, a bootstrapped entrepreneur like myself, without a trust fund and investors to rely on, a startup founder that is struggling to gain any traction, or an aspiring entrepreneur that needs that extra push to get started, this is for you. The title of this course is Hard Knock SaaS. And just like the title, this is a hard knock crash course that you won't find in any textbook. This is full of boots on the ground strategies that will help you get your business to profitability faster, give you practical tips you can implement today, and give you recommended tools and resources to manage your business better. Head over to hardknocksass.com and get access to this material today, and let's get started. So Jeff, I, so I started my first SaaS um, over 12 years ago, back when there weren't nearly as many options uh, for like efficient stacks to run your, your SaaS business on. So, you know, for example, sure. at the time, products like Stripe just launched, you know, Chargeify, Recurly, like these, all these companies were just at their inception. So at that time yeah. for, for, for us, we kind of like scrapped things together made it work. And, and I just remember as years went by and you start seeing new products gaining traction, um, you start thinking like, shoot, like I wish we were using that app or this app, things would have been so much better, but we were just in too deep with, with certain stuff, especially like the payment processors. Um, but now I'm in the process of building a, a new uh, SaaS company. So I'm now starting to explore those those foundational products that you need to run the SaaS business on, like you know payment processing, CRM, support management, and things. And I stumbled on Outseta, which I thought was fantastic. Um, so so here we are. I was hoping just to chat with you, learn more about Outseta, what you're noticing on the ground in the SaaS and in business space, and 
and hopefully provide value to people listening along the way. How's that sound? Awesome. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> awesome. So tell me a bit, a bit about Outseta. Like how, how did it come about? What's the origin story there? Yeah, the origin story is exactly what you just described. So uh, going back, this is actually 12 years exactly to, to 2010, um, I joined a, a startup, the, the first SaaS startup that I worked at. It's a company called Buildium. It's the word build and then IUM.com. Um, and back in those days, to your point, there wasn't really good tooling in terms of launching a SaaS business. So we went on the exact journey that you described. We you know, looked at integrating Stripe's APIs for payments. We looked at Salesforce for a CRM and Zendesk for customer support and HubSpot for marketing automation. And we were an early stage bootstrapped company uh, and stitching all those tools together and sort of building a, a working tech stack that did the things we needed it to do was a massive chore. And I was kind of the business user where as our business was growing, I was saying we need to fold in these new tools. And my now co-founder at Outset of Dimitri uh, was the CTO of that business. And I was kind of pulling on his shirt sleeve saying, hey, I don't have the technical skill set to integrate all these tools perfectly. I need your help. Um, and he just kind of threw his hands up and was like, I'm spending more time building our tech stack than I am building the actual software product that we're trying to deliver. Yeah. This is this is nuts. Um, why isn't there sort of an all-in-one tech stack that gives you um, sort of the prerequisite tools required to, to build a SaaS? And an analogy that a lot of people like is we're sort of the Shopify uh, for SaaS or membership businesses. We bring together all the core tooling so you can really focus on delivering your product and not what's required to, to stand up a business. Love it. When did you guys launch? Uh, we launched in 20, late 2016. Um, okay. So yeah, we've been at it for about six years at this point. Okay, nice. So six years. So I want to take it back. So how did Outseta get their first 100 clients? What was that like? Yeah. Yeah. Our story is um, is an interesting one. Uh, we, we definitely grounded out for a long time. Um, we sort of flew in the face of conventional startup wisdom, which tells you like focus on a really small problem and solve that first and then expand your product set. And we said, no, like what we're trying to deliver is this tech stack that brings together all of these core tools. In order to even deliver an MVP, we need subscription billing, CRM, email marketing, help desk, and reporting. Um, so it's not really a single software product. It's like we had to build four or five software products even to get an MVP out the door. Um, so one of the things uh, that I would just use to kind of describe our journey is the first two years, we're solely building an MVP. Year three, we struggled mightily. Um, through three years, we had not reached 100 customers. Um, and then really things started to accelerate year four, year five, year six, as the product became that much more mature. Uh, but one of the things I think I learned the hard way was I was excited as any founder is about Outseta. I was going out to our target customers and saying, hey, you should check out this new tech stack that we've built for SaaS businesses. And the response unequivocally was, it's a nice idea, but you know your billing isn't as good as the other billing systems out there. Your CRM isn't as good as the other CRMs. Same with the email tools, et cetera. And I think there's this natural propensity for founders to sort of um, wonder why people aren't buying their product. 
when when they what they should be like thinking is why would people buy our product? And the hard truth for us is it just took us four years or so to get to the point where our software was competitive enough across the categories of software that that we cover um, to really warrant people signing up and using it in in earnest. Um, but getting back to your question about the first hundred customers. Um, we just kind of scrapped for them. Uh, it was a combination of what I would call community marketing. So just being in like relevant Slack groups, indie hackers community, um, those, those sorts of communities and just being there, being present, answering questions about SaaS. Um, definitely some email marketing. Um, so we did some cold email prospecting, really just looking at sites like product hunt and beta list where people are announcing that they're launching new SaaS products and sort of reaching out uh, proactively. And then the third bit I would say is um, con or third and fourth content and, and partnerships. So we are a Stripe verified partner. Um, you can find Outsetta on Stripe's website as you're looking for sort of complementary tools. That's always been uh, important, important for us. And then content marketing, we just started writing content the same day that we started writing code. And it definitely, you know, as, as they say with SEO, with content in general, it takes a while for that to kind of build up and become meaningful. Uh, but starting the day that we started writing code was one of the best decisions we ever made. Yeah. So th that's, that's what my assumption would have been. So like you, how much of your business today are startups compared to established companies um, yeah, hacks already in place. I I would say it it's interesting. I I think of all of our customers, to be frank, as as startups. Um, I don't think we have a customer that's doing more than like five million dollars in revenue today. So they're all relatively small businesses, but certainly some of them are day zero startups. Some of them are you know doing a million plus in in revenue. So that gives you kind of a yeah. a sense of where they fall. Okay. And, and what about today? How, how's, uh, is it still a combination of all these marketing and sales channels or did you like hone in on, on a couple or like what's working today? Yeah, a few, a few things we've folded in since the initial channels I mentioned. Um, one was one of the major inflection points in our business wasn't what I would call a pivot, but what I would call looking at a new audience. So when we first started building out Seta, we niched down hard on technical founders building SaaS businesses. And today that's still roughly 50% of our customer base. But what we realized um, really in year three, year four, as I was struggling to sell to technical founders was Outseta and sort of the fully integrated nature of the product provides that much more value to a less technical founder who doesn't have the skill set to integrate all these tools. So we started um, focusing on the no-code community um, really in year four, and that was kind of the first major inflection point in our growth. Um, importantly, a partnership with Webflow um, started driving us a lot of business. Um, you can basically drop out Seta into a Webflow site and have sort of a subscription business very, very quickly. Um, so that became big for us. And one of the other things that's been really impactful was just an affiliate program. Uh, because we are building this huge software product and we're bootstrapping it and it's a low price point product, we have to make some sacrifices in our, in our business to just run a viable business. And one of those is we decided not to have any sales team. So we don't have any sales team. We don't have any support team. 
Um, everybody contributes to support. And on the sales side of things, it's 100% product-led growth or business that's referred to us by affiliates. So these are just people that are out there publishing content about how they're using Outseta and that drives about 25% of our business today. Wow, that's amazing. How big is the team right now? Uh, there's five of us working on this full time and a few contractors we use here or there. Wow, that's impressive. Do, do you share revenue numbers at all? We don't share revenue numbers publicly. Um, we're six years in, we're bootstrapped, we're profitable. Uh, we're not yet at a million dollars in revenue, but we're moving in quickly. Amazing, amazing. Round of applause there. I mean, to, to, <laughs> to build a bootstrapped company, I've been there, um, you know, uh, to get to that level of profitability and, you know, getting, getting to that seven figure ARR, it, it's tough. So, um, you know, it's very, very impressive. Um, so you, you sort of alluded to it. So I'll said I, it can, can cater to virtually any type of SaaS company, you know, or subscription company for that matter. You know, the fact that you can serve a very broad client base, like, do you think it's more that makes things more helpful or more challenging when it comes to sales and marketing? Yeah, that, that's a huge, uh, a huge question. And honestly, something I do not know the answer to. Um, so our, our customer base today is roughly built around four different use cases. We have technical SaaS founders um, building SaaS products. We have sort of no coders that are building membership type websites where they're charging subscription fees for access to content. Um, we have a lot of online communities that charge for access to the community. And then we have a lot of people that are individual freelancers or agencies that use Outsettle almost as a personal tech stack. Um, and we continue to have customers signing up in each of those buckets. And to this point, we have decided not to go sort of all in on one of them. Um, you know, from the perspective of the ability to focus and the ability to really target our messaging, I think that could be worthwhile. But I also think that um, none of those markets are as big as people necessarily think they are. Um, I think Patrick Campbell from uh, Price Intelligently or ProfitWell uh, has actually talked about that a little bit in the context of SaaS. There's only like 100,000 or so SaaS companies out there. Um, so I, at this point, I'm sort of making the bet that um, continuing to serve all of those use cases makes the most sense for us. It does open up our target market for us. Yes, there are some nuances between those, but at the end of the day, they're all subscription businesses. They all need billing. They all need CRM. They all need email. So we think we can serve them pretty well. Can you, can you go through those uh, segments again? It was um, like membership type of sites. Yep. SaaS products, uh, membership sites, online communities, and then sort of like a personal tech stack for a freelancing business. Okay. And is it pretty like split between those as of now, your client base? Um, the, the personal tech stack is definitely the smallest. Um, we've spent zero effort targeting that whatsoever. Um, I put out like a single tutorial in the early years of Outseta. I was doing some consulting myself and charging on a uh, retainer basis for my consulting services. And I sort of started using it in that capacity. Some folks picked up on that and started doing the same, uh, but that that's mm -hmm. definitely like less than 10% yeah. of our customer base. Um, mm -hmm. It's roughly split between SaaS and membership sites um, at, at this point. They're probably like 40% of our customer base each, I would say. Yeah. 
what's the what's the number one um i guess feature use case for a SaaS company like what do they love about outset of the most yeah i i think um you know the the pushback that we've always gotten from developers is you can't possibly do all of these things as well as the best in class email tools the best in class crm et cetera et cetera et cetera and they are surprised when we turn around and say, you're right. Um, our argument is, you know, if you look at HubSpot versus Outsetta, does HubSpot have some bells and whistles that Outsetta doesn't? Absolutely. But those are mostly things that in the context of an early stage company aren't necessarily used or are, you know, features added over time to support bigger companies. We don't have to build that stuff. Our argument is by bringing all these tools into the same platform and giving you sort of the the basic feature that you actually need, um, you can more than launch your business and get it off the ground and start to grow. We can take you from zero dollars in revenue to many millions in revenue. Uh, and at some point you might out, outgrow Outsetta and you know, assemble the perfect tech stack and, and that's fine. Um, so I, I think it comes down to customers that have done this before, um, tend to love Outsetta because they're like, we've done the alternative to, to how we started this conversation. Um, you said, you know, I went out and had to assemble all these tools and it was a, a pain in the butt. It's certainly gotten easier over time. But even if you are assembling best in class tools today and you use Zapier or webhooks or whatnot, there's still a lot of work there to assemble that tech stack to make sure data is ping ponging between tools correctly and whatnot. So I think speed to market is what people who have sort of been here before um, latch yeah. on to with Outsetta. They say, I can just go focus on building my product. I know when the product is ready, I can hook it up to Outsetta and I've, boom, I've got a business. I'm not wasting time on this stuff that isn't core product functionality. Beyond that, the value prop after speed to market is really about managing your business from behind a single login. So if you are operating a small team, your entire team's logging into Outsetta to send marketing campaigns and answer support tickets and view your CRM records. Um, so it's really kind of a consolidation play and uh, it's just nice to log into a single tool to run your business day to day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, especially a lot of um, new entrepreneurs or, or founders, uh, you know, they, they almost have like shiny object syndrome it's like you know 100%. hubspot just because it's like that name you hear like you feel like you have to use it and, and yeah it has yeah. bells and whistles but like in practicality what percentage of these bells and whistles do like companies actually use yep yeah and you know, we're we're seeing that um we're seeing that loud and clear right now as the economy is you know moving in the wrong direction and people are looking at SaaS subscriptions and cutting them and whatnot um, it's been an amazing driver of migrations to Outsetta. And we've seen a lot of instances where companies that were spending forty dollars or $50,000 a year on their tech stack have been able to migrate to Outsetta, have 90% of the same functionality, and their bill has gone from forty dollars or fifty dollars a year to three dollars or $4,000 a year. Um, so it's kind of... It's kind of been interesting. It's like when the economy is, is bad, we see a lot of migrations to Outsetta. And when the economy has been good and sort of booming, we see more people starting businesses and using Outsetta. Um, yeah. So it's been sort of resilient, which is, which is nice. I could see that for sure. 
Um, I, I want to like pick on SaaS specifically. So, yeah. Um, what what tools on top of Outseta are you seeing your SaaS clients still using, if any? Yeah, good good question. Um, I would I would say like our our most successful customers are definitely the ones that choose to adopt Outseta in full. Um, the things that come to mind, there are still definitely technologies that you probably need to use to run, run your business that we don't provide. Um, one that we use a lot, we see all of our customers use for the most part is like video hosting tools, um, Loom, Wistia, those kind of things are, are definitely something you would typically need. Anyways, yeah. um, we do have some customers that have um, more stringent require, requirements around email if they want to build like um, really visual email workflows with a lot of if-then logic and branching and that kind of stuff. Um, we certainly handle the basics pretty well, but we're not as robust as like an active campaign um, when it comes to setting up really um, email workflows with a lot of logic. I, I would say those are probably like the two other okay. technologies that we see adopted the most. Let, let's uh, take a step back. So what are the core for like a new SaaS uh, founder, someone who, who's yep. building a SaaS now? Like w what are those core fundamental tools that you just need? Whether you use yeah, Upset so or not, you need there, it. There's five that we have kind of identified um, as the core of our product. And we, we refer to them as like the common denominator features that any SaaS business is going to need. Um, the first is basically subscription subscription billing. Um, you need some way to charge your customers. The second is CRM. You need some way to store all that prospect and customer data. Uh, the third is email marketing slash automations. All those you know free trial reminder workflows, all your marketing emails, all that kind of stuff. The fourth is the help desk. So that is really three pieces within Outseta. It's a support ticketing system. Uh, a knowledge base so you can publish how-to content and that kind of stuff. Um, and then live chat tools, um, sort of intercom light, if you will. And then the last one is reporting. So it's financial reporting, um, user engagement tracking. We can actually see like what people are doing within your product and display that on your CRM records. But those are kind of the five billing CRM, mm. email, help desk and reporting. Yeah, I agree with that. One I might throw in as well is like... Um, like an internal wiki, like a, a documentation type of app, yep. like a notion or, or something like yeah. that. The two that we hear a lot, that's one. The other one is just like a basic um, landing page builder. That isn't mm. something that we offer today. And going back to like that um, analogy with, with Shopify, like Shopify does give you that basic front end you can start with, or you can build out your own. I think that's a natural growth area for us. For now, we've sort of said, let's let people build their marketing site how they want to. Uh, but I think both that and an internal wiki would make a lot of sense going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to talk about uh, the CRM portion a bit. I think that's a, that's always a, I don't know if it, a tricky is the right word, but like it, it may be like overwhelming one for a lot of people just cause like there's, there's a lot of CRM options sure. out there. A lot of these CRMs are, are yep. overwhelming in a lot of mm -hmm. cases um, yep. how did you look at the CRM when you were building it? Like, how did you simplify it where any SaaS business can, can use it? Yeah. Um, in terms of, of CRM, um, obviously Salesforce is still kind of the, 
the status quo. Um, I, I've used Salesforce for a decade of my career. I hate it. <laughs> I think it's it's just yes, it can do a lot, but it it's uh, it's bloated. It's expensive. It's clunky. Um, so I think when we were starting to build our our CRM, the two products that we we there were really three products we looked at, but the three that were a major influence were HubSpot CRM, uh, PipeDrive, and actually another product that's much lesser known called Nutshell. Um, that I, I think pretty pretty highly of, but what those are it? all. What's that last one you said? It's called Nutshell CRM. Okay, um, never heard of it. But those those three products are all. Um, I don't I don't necessarily want to say similar, um, but they're they share a lot of the same fundamental elements. And honestly, one of the things about Outseta, um, I, I don't say this to be like uninspiring, but everything that we've built, nothing is really terribly new and novel. Like these are pre-existing, well-understood categories of software. And that's a huge advantage for us when it comes to building these feature sets. We can go out there and say, what are the best in class products? What do we like about them? What do we think um, you know, we want to sort of copy and paste and bring into our product? Um, and those three were certainly uh, pretty, pretty heavy influences. Um, the major difference without with our CRM is the primary CRM records are really built around your financial relationship with a customer. So if you think about HubSpot CRM, if you wanted to know like what plan someone was on or how much uh, money they've spent with your business or what products they've purchased or any of that stuff, you need to integrate Stripe with HubSpot and send that data into HubSpot. And that's kind of what you do with the CRM in general. You integrate all these other tools that um, kind of stack, stack data into a single record without setup because everything's part of the same system, you open your CRM record and it tells you what plan the user's on. You can change their plan from their CRM record. You can see like actual customer lifetime value that just updates in real time as you collect new payments from the user directly on your CRM records. So there's kind of this financial component built into the CRM because the billing system and the CRM are one and the same. And I'd say that's really the most fundamental difference between other CRMs, but from the perspective mm -hmm. of like how you add custom properties and, you know, different fields to your CRM records and all that, it, it's quite similar to what you've seen yeah. in other CRMs. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the financial connection. Uh, what about the connection between uh, like the, the usage within the app, like being able to yep. see for an individual uh, user, like, you know, what they're doing, how they're using it, like events. Yeah. So, th so that's, um, mo you know, all, pretty much all CRMs this day have this notion of like an activity feed where um, you, you can see ideally what actions a user is taking across different products. Outseta has that too. Uh, but again, it, it's just kind of everything works out of the box because all these tools speak to each other. So if you look at any customer CRM record, yes, you can see their subscription when it renews and make those financially oriented changes. But you can also see all of your email interactions, all of your support tickets, all of your chat conversations. Um, you can see the actual engagement with your product. So you can instrument um, what we call custom activities, just important happenings within your SaaS product. And it shows up in your activity feed that it'll say, you know, Jeff logged in at 10 a.m. and then clicked on this button within the product at 11 a.m. And all of that just gets recorded by default. So I think when it comes to kind of speed to market and efficiency, the fact that all this stuff just kind of 
happens without needing to send data between all these different products to make that happen is is really where we save you time. Yeah. Is there is there anything that a user has to connect with to 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 um, uh, capture all this event data, or is it all done automatically by D- like what if I want to add my own like unique event, something like specific within my app? Am I able to do that? Yep. So um, it, there's kind of two different ways that you can track user engagement. Um, for our less technical customers, let's say the membership, like the membership sites, you can um, select any element on a website page and give it a custom attribute. So think of just having like a video on a website. You can apply a custom attribute to that video, and that basically just reflects back to Outseta. Hey, you know, Jeff logged into this site, clicked this video, and watched it. Um, and you can do that completely without code, which is pretty cool. Uh, but in the context of a traditional SaaS application, um, you can create a custom event. And let's say, again, it's like a button within a SaaS application. When that button is clicked, we then just send back information to out, via Outset's API that says, hey, this button was clicked, recorded on this user's CRM record. Okay. So, so okay. And a, you're saying a user can do that themselves? Um, the user of the software would not, the person interacting with the software product would not do that themselves. You would instrument that for your business. So typically how we yeah, see yeah, that's, this. That's what I meant. Yeah. When Sorry. When yeah. I say user, I meant like a user using Outseta. Like a, the for company. sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so with, with us, for example, if you log into Outseta, we have a hypothesis as most companies do on which actions are important for a user to take with an outsider early on. It, for us, it's things like we want you to connect to your Stripe account. We want you to send a test email broadcast. Um, these sorts of things that indicate that you're exploring the feature set and more likely to convert. So we've instrumented all of those as custom events. And when someone signs up for a free trial, we can see directly on their CRM record that they have connected to Stripe, that they have sent that. Um, you know, test email. And those are good indications to us that that's a customer we should spend time with because they're more likely to convert. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Um, one thing I'm like uh, very uh, picky on when trying to find a CRM is um, how, how it handles like the sales pipeline for, for folks that or contacts that sure. aren't yet sure. clients. Um, mm-hmm. So how do how do you how does Outseta view that? How did you build out like the sales pipeline flow of the CRM? Yeah, so we we call it we call it deals within Outseta. Um, it's basically similar to what you've probably seen in like a HubSpot or a PipeDrive in the sense that it's like a Kanban board, and you can you can do a list view too. But you can basically build out stages of your customer acquisition funnel. So for us, it's like. We have an engaged column, which basically means we've made some sort of contact with the prospect. We have a demo completed column, which is like we were on a demo with the customer and then all the way up to closed one. And it is a like a pretty much a drag and drop interface. You can set up some automations to sort of move people automatically between stages if certain actions occur and that kind of thing. Uh, but it is relatively sort of basic um, tracking of progression through a customer acquisition funnel at this point. Yeah. Is, is there, have you had any like feedback or pushback on that where it wasn't satisfactory to some companies and in, in their flow or? For sure. Um, I, I would say in general, um, the companies that really need that feature set in a lot of depth, 
um, tend to be a little bit further along than, than most of our customers. They tend to be teams that have like built out a sales team of 10 or 20 people. Um, most of our customers are early stage enough that it's like companies of five to 10 people at, at the most. And I, I think those features aren't needed as much, but there are certainly instances where we lose business. Another area where we lose business sometimes is um, if you have like a, a call center and you need to do call tracking within the CRM, we, we don't facilitate that yet at this point. Um, I think that's also a natural growth area for us. Um, but I mean, from just the basic perspective of you're sending prospecting emails and following up with clients and you know doing demos and need to track that within a CRM, um, I think outside it covers the basics pretty well. Mm -hmm. Is there any type of SaaS company or, or type of company in general that that might not be well suited to use Outsetta? Absolutely. Like, how would you um, describe a, few, a company that? Yeah. Few things come to mind. Um, one would be really big ticket, uh, meaning like high contract value SaaS companies. Um, and and the pushback there is we process payments via credit cards. If you're processing like $50,000 contracts, typically you don't want to pay those with, with credit cards. So, so that's um, one where I would immediately look at some other type of product. Um, the other ones that come to mind um, right now, Outsetta only allows you to bill your customers in a single currency. It can be any currency you want or any currency that Stripe supports but you can't um, bill in multiple currencies concurrently. So for some customers in Europe that really need that, um, and they tend to be in Europe, um, that can be something that would point them away from Outsetta. Um, and the final one I would say is if you need to collect payments via ACH or, or just like electronic checks commonly, um, again, it, it's really built around credit card processing at this point. Um, so if most of your customers want to pay by some sort of electronic check, there's going to be other products that handle that better. Okay. So it's really just like on the, on the payment and billing side, no, no, like feature sets that, that are kind of missing that like a bigger enterprise company can't use, or is it really just the, the, the billing components? I think it's it's mostly the, the billing component. Um, you know, if you, if you do integrate Stripe directly, they do support multi-currency billing. They do have an option for ACH payments. I, I think they are a little bit um, more flexible and can meet some of those use cases that aren't sort of relatively low price point credit card focused transactions better. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, what about uh, like multi-user type of, like a SaaS company who sells yeah. uh, products to multiple users, they sell on C basis, like uh, yep. I'm assuming Outsetta handles that pretty simply? Yeah, that, that's really what, um, that's what we do best in, in my opinion. Um, because we sell to startups, sort of this idea that we latched onto early on is this notion of what we call pricing agility. And it's basically, you don't know at an early stage what you should be charging your customers or even what your pricing model should be. So we make it really easy to change that and to experiment with that. Um, we do team-based subscriptions. You can set like a maximum number of users on a plan. We do per user pricing. Um, we just support a very wide range of, of pricing models and it's incredibly easy to update the prices that are shown on your website or even the pricing model that's shown on your website. Um, so I think that's actually like the single strength of the product. 
nice. uh, are, are our biggest strength. And it also comes down to the billing system and the authentication system are one and the same. Um, so let's use per user pricing as an example. Stripe can handle per user pricing from a payment perspective. They can charge you $20 per user, but then you have to go out and integrate that with your authentication tool so that you know, if someone's paid for five users and a six users tries to be added, you know, they get prompted for upgrade and they can't log in and all of that. There's a ton of work to implement all of that. And we've connected those dots uh, out of the box. Okay, nice. Um, what about the ability for like a subscription uh, client uh, charging them like a one-time fee for a service? Is yep, that, you can are you able that to do that as well? Yeah. Yep. One one uh, platform that uh, I was very like intimate with in my company was uh, Chargeify, like a subscription software sure. uh, that, that sits on top, like a payment processor. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how how would you compare in general to like a like a charge like a Chargeify or like a Recurly or, or one of these? Yeah, they're they're comparable in they're they're all a little bit different. Um, to be honest with you, I'm least familiar of kind of the big subscription billing platforms with Chargeify. Um, I don't I don't know why that was. Um, certainly, like when we started working on this, Chargeify was um, one of the bigger kind of well known subscription management companies. Um, yeah. But I think I'm guessing. I may be totally wrong on this. I think Chargebee kind of emerged as the leader in the subscription management space before Stripe really got into it on their own. Um, And we do definitely compete with Chargebee in particular quite a bit. Um, There's a lot of people that were conditioned to Chargebee because they used it five or 10 years ago in their SaaS companies. And now they're comparing outside of two Chargebee I think Chargebee does have a slightly deeper feature set than we do right now. We hear a lot of um, your usability is way better. So I think that drives a lot of people to, to us early on. Recurly is um, pretty darn similar to Outsetta from a subscription management perspective. And importantly, in all of this, part of the reason we built Outsetta um, from the get-go was Stripe did not offer subscription billing for SaaS companies. They they offered really good APIs, you know, since the get-go, but you had to take that and sort of build the entire subscription management layer on top of the APIs and, or use one of these third-party products that we're talking about. Um, So we sort of set out to build subscription billing for Stripe before Stripe did. (laughs) Um, And obviously Stripe has now come on strong. They, you know, they've got Stripe billing their own sort of product in this space. And really how we've differentiated against that, the product we're most similar to is Stripe Billing, to be honest with you. Outsetta and Stripe Billing are very, very similar themselves. So now the the play has been, um, we are this all-in-one platform that's going to save you time because you don't need to integrate your authentication system with Stripe Billing. We've kind of done that for you. Yeah, makes sense. Love that. Um one component of Chargeify, which I think for especially like any SaaS company, but especially a bootstrap company, a company who like every dollar matters and, you know, yep. stretching the dollar, recovering as much revenue uh, as you can, especially with, with like payment failures. Uh, they have, they have uh, you know, like a Dunning, Dunning. and retry uh, feature, which you can customize as well. Um, yep. do you, does Outsetta do that as well? 
We do a lot of that. Um, it's not as customizable as, as it should be to date. Um, sort of the approach that we've taken is we are sitting on, a, at this point, a pretty large data set of subscription businesses, and we've sort of optimized that for you. Um, that is an area where certainly customers are pushing us and saying, hey, we want to have a little more control over exactly what that process looks like. So yeah. I think that's um, something we'll grow into. But um, it, it, again, is kind of cool because of the all-in-one nature of the product. If a payment fails, um, Outside is going to do uh, several things. One is we, we continue to make automated attempts to collect that payment. Two, we send out automated dunning type emails asking the user to update their their payment information and um, all all that kind of stuff. And third, because we're an authentication tool, we can lock the user out of their account automatically and prompt them to input payment information if they even want to log in. So taking that kind of three tiered approach, we're kind of hitting them from every angle. And if there's an opportunity for us to collect a payment, it, it's pretty likely yeah. that we'll be able to do so. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, what are the what are the um, features or additions that you you wish you had right now or that you will be implementing in the near future? Yeah, great, great question. Um, definitely multi-currency billing is on that list. Um, I actually, <laughs> I'll make myself unpopular with some of our customers by saying this probably, but I actually don't think that's as important as a lot of people think it is. Um, but it, it's certainly something, it's just like a no brainer for us to do. So I, I think that's going to be one. Um, probably the single biggest one at this point, at least in my opinion, um, is a really great solution for handling VAT for customers in Europe. Um, this is something that, everyone in Europe is struggling with. And there's a lot of different options that have emerged. Um, Stripe tax is one. Um, they will sort of calculate VAT for you appropriately, but you still need to file your, your, your taxes, which if you are an individual founder or a small company, that, that can be a big pain in the butt. So a lot of people are moving towards, um, we can go down this rabbit hole as deeply as you want to, but a merchant of record solution where a company like Paddle, for example, they are actually charging your customers. You're not charging their customers. And because they are the one taking on what's called the merchant of record responsibility, they actually pay your taxes for you. Um, mm -hmm. They charge you, you know, a hefty fee to do that. But from a convenience perspective, if you're an early stage founder, that can be a big thing. Um, so we have um, ways of handling that today. Uh, but we don't have like a merchant of record solution. I think that's going to be a big thing that's going to be really attractive to to people in Europe. So that's something that we're actively working yeah. on. Um, and then beyond so a quick that, question on that is is the multi currency um, like the folks that that want that are those mostly companies in Europe? Mostly companies in Europe, I would say they want to charge you know U.S. customers and U.S. dollars, European customers and and euros and customers in Great Britain and yeah. uh, British British yeah. pounds. Um, th that's kind of the use case there. Uh, but but those are probably the two the two big ones. Um, I would say after that, um, just getting a little bit more sophisticated with some of the like email logic and branching is probably the other big growth area for us at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but really like the the billing and authentication components of Outside are at the end of the day, they're sort of the core of our product. They're what 
makes the what makes everything work what makes this kind of come alive and those are really the areas that i think are like most rock solid today um, that's yeah. awesome yeah that's great so you're outset is obviously a SaaS company as well and you're yep. i'm assuming using outset to run your own business right um, entire business runs on it yep nice and, and is outset a remote team we're a remote team, uh, five people distributed all over the place at this point. Um, we've got basically two people on the west coast of the U.S., two people on the east coast, and then someone in Greece. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, you know, another uh, one of those like fundamental foundational apps that I think we missed was uh, like a communication tool like Slack. Yeah. How, how do you communicate with with your team? We. In the context of our team, we do, we do use Slack. Um, outside, I can actually integrate with your Slack channels too, and like send notifications to your Slack channels. So we have a like a okay. growth Slack channel, and every time we get a new customer, we get a notification in it. But in terms of just inter-team communication, we use Slack. Yeah. Yeah. What about the ability to communicate with your team uh, inside of Outside? Like, for example, if you're if like a support rep is 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 on a client profile being able to like tag someone uh, in another department on this profile, like within the app. Yeah. There's, there's the ability to um, add, add sort of like user specific notes or comments. And then similarly, like if you're answering a support ticket, you can reply to the support ticket or you can add a note for another team member. So you can kind of like discuss the issue behind the scenes without the customer actually seeing it. And then you can reply. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, I, I want to uh, talk about sales a bit like today. I, I know we talked about how you got your first grant, grinded it out for the first few years, figuring things out. And I, I find it pretty fascinating that you said you don't have any sales or support reps, yep. correct? Yeah. So they're, they're different on the support front. Um, just quickly our model. So one thing we haven't talked about at all, which is probably the most unique part of Outseta is kind of our organizational design and how the team is structured and compensated and all of that. But part of what we're trying to do is keep the team really small and mostly, mostly senior folks. Um, and everybody does support, which is something that with a lot of people, frankly, is going to be unpopular. Like we have developers that have you know built a career over 25 years and they're answering support tickets. Uh, and that's just part of our model. Um, our general thesis is like, let's stay as close to the customer as possible. And rather than building out this big support organization, let's staff or let's make everyone do support so that the people answering your support tickets can actually fix your problems. They're not just kind of like escalating issues and whatnot. Uh, but from a sales perspective, it's really come down to um, if you look at Outseta objectively, uh, like if, you, if you're a VC looking at Outseta, uh, it's a bad idea. It's a, it's a boot. We're bootstrapping a massive product, selling it at a low price point to an audience that's naturally going to have high churn. Uh, like there's just not a lot of margin built into this particular business idea. And as part of that, we have to make some sacrifices. And because we want to stay small, we basically said, okay, no dedicated support team. Everyone's got to do support no dedicated sales team. We need to push ourselves to embrace, you know, product led growth to the greatest extent possible. 
or uh, incentivize people very generously via our affiliate program to sort of do sales on our behalf. There's no question in my mind that we're leaving some money on the table by making that decision. Um, if we were following up with every single trial and putting them through a sales process and assigning leads, I'm sure that we would squeeze some more revenue out of this business. Uh, but I, I don't think it's viable for us given sort of the unit economics in the business. And we just have to say, you know, we're going to grow a little bit more slowly, but we're going to do it with a lot less headcount. Yeah. Makes sense. So two things I want to ask about that. I, I would have assumed that, you know, customers of Outsetta, like I, I would assume that you have a very low churn because like if, if, a, if a customer, especially a SaaS company signs up to Outsetta and is using yeah. it, the, the chances of them leaving, I would guess are, are slim to none. Is that the answer? Is, yeah. The, the answer is yes and no. Um, we have extraordinarily low churn from anyone that adopts the product and actually starts billing in any sort of uh, significant yeah. way. Like if you get to $500 in MRR, you'll pretty much never churn. Uh, and like, yeah. like I can count on two hands, the number of customers that have gotten there that have ever churned, which is great. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, we, you know, it is a low price point product. We do sell to startups. We definitely do see a lot of companies launch, you know, put out set on yeah. their website, not find any traction and churn within the first 30 or 60 days. And I think that's yeah. always going to be the case. Um, so the name of the game for us more and more is how do we find these quality companies that are going to mm -hmm. go on and have some financial success? Yeah. And yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, and on the other one, sales, like I, I agree with you, you're probably leaving a lot of money behind by not doing that, which uh, I think is is fine. I think it, it all depends on like what your intentions are as a company. Like, do you want to be mm -hmm. like a, like, do you want Outsetta to be like this unicorn billion dollar company? Or are you guys okay? Yeah. Just like, you know, being in your lane, getting to that X dollar ARR and, and you're okay with yeah. that? Like what's the, uh, what's the goals, the intentions? Yeah. It, it, that being a unicorn is definitely not our intention. Um, and to be, you know, perfectly fair, we're nowhere anywhere in the vicinity of even being close to that. Uh, but I have over the last year, really for the first time, um, sort of entertained the idea that this business might have significant potential to grow big if we wanted it to. Um, frankly, I don't think we want it to. Um, what we've kind of discussed in terms of how we've structured the team in terms of, um, basically all aspects of how we've designed the business. I don't want to set an arbitrary um, sort of maximum in terms of headcount or how big the company could be. But part of why we've made the decisions that we've made is we looked back at our previous business, which grew to about 200 employees. And we said we had a lot more fun when we were 20 employees than when we were 200. And mm -hmm. I really like sort of this notion of we want to grow into a 20 person company and see how far we can push out set up with 20 people. I think that is going to build a lot of discipline into the business. It's going to force us to solve problems creatively rather than just throwing headcount um, at our issues. So that's kind of the goal. I'd, I'd like to see us get there. We're five people. I would like to see us get to the point where we're 20. Um, and certainly being a billion dollar company is, is not a goal for me. If we were a 20 person company, 
doing $10 million in revenue. Um, I, I think that's super modest for what we could do. Um, but I like, that's a good outcome for me. If uh, th those 20 people are well compensated and love working here, um, that's a win in my book. Yeah, that's amazing. I I subscribe to the same type of uh, model and thinking when, when growing a, a company, which is a thought of like a billion dollar company and just like the, the headaches and politics yep. and bureaucracy that comes with that. I mean, sure. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Yep. Um, so, so where do you see, what's the goal for Outseta in 2023? Like where, where do you want to take the company um, in terms of yeah. like, you know, growth products? Like what's the goal? I don't know if you guys had that meeting or, or discussion yet, yeah. but where do you want to see the company end of next year? We don't, we don't have like a, a hard and fast goal, but there's a few things that are indicative of what I'd, I'd like to do over the next year. Um, and, and really 20, 2022 was outside this first, like really big year. We, we grew in a huge way this year and sort of blossomed into a legitimate business. Um, so there's things following up on that that are important to me. Um, one is we're, we're still, you know, a team of five. And at this point we're supporting a pretty, pretty big customer base. Um, and, you know, we haven't broken, but we're certainly bending. I'm very excited to add like even one, two, three more people to the team. That's certainly a goal of mine in, in 2022 uh, or 2023, excuse me. Um, Can I dive like into to... that one? Like who, who do you want to, what type of uh, resources do you want to hire? Yeah, I think there's probably two. Um, we are unique in that, like, if we have anything in spades, it's development firepower. We almost have, mm -hmm. like, too much development capacity, which is a great problem to have, but it, it's a reflection of this huge thing that we're building. Um, there, there's probably two, I, I guess, if, if I could hire three people, there's three roles I would want to hire. Um, we, we do need another front-end developer. We, we have more back-end talent than front-end talent, so I'd love to hire a front-end developer. Um, I would love to own, or love to own, love to hire sort of our first, um, like, head of customer success. Uh, as I said, everybody does, um, does support, uh, but I think someone whose job is just to advocate for the customer base at large and sort of own that side of the business would be great. Yeah. Um, and then really the biggest struggle or the biggest impediment to our growth, to be perfectly frank, is right now I am sort of the marketing founder. I am the only one on sort of the go-to-market side of the business. And because we're this small team supporting this large customer base, I have very, very little time to devote to anything marketing related. Um, so I, I think adding somebody else on sort of the go-to-market side of the equation specifically a marketer to, to help me, um, would be a, a big one as well. Yeah. Nice. And, and I was going to ask you that as well. So you're, you're a co-founder of Outseta, I'm right? A, I'm a, I'm a co-founder and I come yeah. from a marketing background. Okay. Um, so I still kind of think of myself as a marketer, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask like what your like day to day, uh, folk, I'm sure I know it's like all over the place and you're clearly wearing multiple hats, but if you had to yeah. like hone in on, on something, it would be marketing. Uh, it, it should be marketing. It, it's <laughs> not, I've, I've gotten, you know, pulled into the day to day operations of the business in a, a bigger way than I, w I wish I've, I had, um, yeah. today I would say, 
realistically, I probably spend 20% or less of my time on, on marketing. It is mostly split between customer success, customer service and product management. Um, I am very much uh, like the one working with our customers day to day the most. I kind of have my ear to the needs of our customers more than anybody else. And I'm communicating a lot of that, um, you know, back to our product team in, in general, but from a product management perspective, doing a lot of the feature prioritization and whatnot, um, mm -hmm. that and support yeah. probably take up most of my time. Yeah. We didn't talk about, uh, just quickly about, uh, support side of, of, of Outseta. So I think that's mm -hmm. obviously a very important function in any business, um, especially in, yep. in, in businesses that are highly competitive and differentiators are oftentimes like provide being able to provide amazing, quick customer support. Um, yep. so talk about the, the, the support, um, component of Outseta. Like how, how does it work? Is it like just live chat? live chat, in-app support? Are you able to yeah. uh, bring in uh, multiple channels? So much, uh, so much learning on the support front um, over the, the last few years. Uh, probably the single biggest mistake I would say we've, we've made since we've been in business is we came out of the gate with a freemium tier. And the freemium tier was completely well-intentioned. As you know, people sort of build SaaS products and they're ready to go on very different timelines. So the idea was you can get into Outseta, have access to a free account, take as long as you want to um, sort of launch your product, and then you'll move on to a paid plan once you start using the product in earnest. Um, I think it like the strategy fit our target market, uh, but didn't fit how we wanted to build our business. What we realized in the problem we created was all of a sudden we got pretty good at marketing and we had thousands of users every month signing up on a free subscription and asking for wow. support. And a lot of them weren't converting for one month, three months, six months. So we were providing a ton of support over a long time period before we even made a dollar. Um, it got to the point where it was completely all encompassing. It was killing our ability to push out new features. It was killing my ability to focus on marketing. Um, so we scrapped the free plan learning there is you can scrap the free plan, uh, but they're still going to, you know, unless you force everyone to upgrade, there's still going to be people on that plan for months on end that you still have to support. Um, so it took a while to kind of settle down. Um, and we actually experimented with a model where we went directly to paid. There was no free trial. There was no freemium. You had to sign up and pay for the product. Um, almost mm -hmm. like we overcorrected to save our butts. Yeah. Um, and since we've found kind of a middle ground, but uh, beware of a freemium tier is, is the lesson there. Um, outside of that, similarly, like we used to have live chat up on our site. We've, we offer a live chat component to our software. We've since removed it. Um, it just kills the ability to get into any sort of, of deep work yeah. whatsoever. Um, so because we want to stay small, I'd say the the core of our support strategy is make really good tutorials and documentation. We want people to self-serve to the extent that they can. Beyond that, we use our own support ticketing system. The vast majority of our technical support is handled via support tickets. Um, and I would say what we do really well is when you write in with a ticket, even if it's ridiculously technically complex, we're going to surprise you uh, because everyone at the team is mostly engineers and very senior with how good of a response you're going to get. 
but you know, we, we basically set the expectation. We're going to get back to you within 24 hours. Um, yeah. if you need, you know, a support response from a live chat agent in five minutes, you're not going to get it. And we try to be very upfront about that, um, with our yeah. customers. Yeah. That's uh, the reason I asked you like who you you plan to hire your top three. I feel like as a company grows, one of the first kind of departments to break is, is often support. Um, you know, yep. um, just because clients base grows, product grows, more questions. So you yep. want to always like try and maintain that high level of support. Uh, so what you said you took off the live chat on the front facing website or, or in app yep. as well? In app as well. Um, you can well. submit a support ticket directly from both places, but we took it out. Okay, nice. Um, all right, that makes sense. What about phone support? Uh, we don't do phone support, but if you if you reach out and say like we need to jump on a call, we we do that routinely. Um, you know, we have two two things that contribute to our support volume, and that um, have just been realizations. Like going back to your point about selling to these different target markets, we will be on one call with somebody that's a super technical software engineer that's amazingly technically competent, and then then on the next call, we're with someone who's like. I don't know how to log into my own website. Um, so we have support in, in all different shapes and flavors, um, which is, is challenging because we need to sort of triage, like, who are we talking to? You know, can, can we speak developer to them or not? Like, that's something we have to figure out uh, r- relatively quickly. And then just yeah. beyond that, um, something I hadn't thought about enough prior to Outseta was as you assess startup ideas, how much support different ideas are, are, are going to create. And the, the hard truth is Outseta is this big product, even if we make it incredibly usable and really focus on UX design, um, it's not onboarding into a billing system or a CRM or a help desk or a reporting tool. It's onboarding into all those things. And it, there is going to be a learning curve as a result. And I think we're always going to be a company that has a high volume of support, even if we you know, do everything right and try to make the software as easy to use as possible. Um, so all the more reason to try to double down on that documentation, help people self-serve to the greatest extent possible. And then if you do need help, uh, we get on a call with you pretty readily. Yeah, for sure. Um, last question I have for you, like what, what would be your, so what you're providing is like a truly a fundamental, uh, part like a foundational part of, of a SaaS company's business and livelihood in a lot of ways so what's yep. like if, if a SaaS company is using Outseta like they they're expecting Outseta to be around and growing yep. for yep. as long as they are right for forever for life uh, for sure so what's your what would be your pitch to a SaaS company or a founder who has that question and like you know will uh, where's Outseta going to be? Where are you going to be in, in 10, yeah. 20 years? Like, do you want to sell your company? Like what's, 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 what do you, what's your pitch to that? Yeah, th- this is a question we, we get a lot. Um, and it's one that we actually have a good response to at this point, because we can speak like what we're saying is credible and you can go back in history and, and see that. Um, and what I mean by that is like the very, if you go all the way back to the end of our blog, the first blog post we wrote we said, we are not building this company to build a unicorn. We're not trying to grow to X amount of revenue and sell the company in five years. 
we envision we're going to work on this for the next 15 or 20 years. We're going to structure the business to be small and independent. We probably, we, we might not ever sell the business and we're going to structure all aspects of the business around that idea. So we, we do profit sharing as an example amongst our team. Everybody within the team is an owner in the business, at least 3% or more. Um, a lot of these things that aren't, um, aren't conducive to we're out there hunting for an exit. We're out there building a business for the long term and are going to reward people differently. And it, it's easy to say those things. And I think a lot of companies do say those things. But if you look at every decision that we've made over the course of the company, first of all, they're all documented there for you to see. And they don't paint a picture of where we're just trying to exit and that's that. So I think as people ask that question and they go back and look at some of those things, they say, wow, that like these people are putting their money where their mouth is. They've, you know, we devoted four years uh, of building this thing to get to a hundred or a couple hundred customers. And um, we've really taken that long set, that sort of long-term approach to heart. Um, so I think that yeah. tends to quell that concern for the most part. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, Jeff, it was really great uh, chatting with you. I'm glad we were able to, to speak. Um, yeah. Where's the best place, if, if someone wanted to learn more, uh, find you, learn more about Outsetta, where's the best place they can find you? Yeah, it's just outsetta.com. So it's the word outset and then an A on the end. Um, you can check out the, the product and view demos and all that kind of stuff there. Uh, me personally, you can find me either on Twitter. Um, I'm at Jeff T. Roberts, but I am a G off. So it's G-E-O-F-F-T Roberts um, or on LinkedIn. You can you can find me as well. Amazing. That's awesome. Uh, sorry. Last question quickly. Outsetta, where'd that name come from? <laughs> yeah, I wish I had a better answer to this than oh, I do. Um, I thought I was going to hear a story or... There's not a great, not a great story. Um, we wanted something, first of all, where the .com domain was available. <laughs> Secondarily, that um, gives this notion of sort of a new beginning. So the word outset uh, mm. means like a new beginning or starting yeah, off. Yeah. And then we needed something uh, that sort of sounded techie. So we threw an A on the end and said outset of that's it. <laughs> hey, that's great. That's a story in itself. I like it. Awesome. Well, Jeff, pleasure again. Uh, we should definitely do this uh, again. And uh, all the best to you in Outsetta. Thank you so much. It was fun. All right. Take care.